Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast where we're dynamite with a laser beam and guaranteed to blow your mind. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. Grab your diamond print unitard, break that microphone stand in half, and get ready to follow our lead. We're talking Queen. Hey, hey, Ben, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I should have said like, hey, Ben. <laughs> uh, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. well I smoked some uh, some pork shoulder today. Oh, Didn't get much sleep last night because it was supposed to take 22 hours to smoke. So I had to keep getting up and adding stuff to the smoker. Oh, so you were doing it all night. I was curious yeah. how you were going to manage that. And then it was done in 16 hours. It's like, fuck, I could have just gotten up early for that shit. Mm-hmm. But uh came out good, and it was tasty. So Yeah, it was tasty. Stoked. I got to try some when I got up here. What about you? Uh, I'm doing well. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a little hungover. I've got a little Red Bull, and I haven't, uh, I haven't had a Red Bull in like over a month. So it's Damn. either going to destroy me or fix me. but we'll see i'm really excited about today's topic um if anybody listened last week when we were talking about what we were going to be doing you will know that i said that this is without a doubt my favorite band of all time i love queen so so much it's been a long time since i've had the opportunity to say it but this is very near and dear to my heart i like queen i'm not the super fan you are yes they they are good (laughs) i like them but I like most of like the deep queen cuts I've heard have been in your car. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we'll definitely get to that on the show today. Like just the, the travesty that is queen's discography and how little of it will ever be heard by anybody because it's all radio singles. Gone are the days where somebody's just like sitting in their room with a friend listening to an album, you know, on, yeah, on the right? record player. Or yeah, like you could still get an album, but like, I still occasionally listen, like I'll pick an album that I know, you know, and I'll listen all the way through it. I don't think my kids ever do. Yeah. It's all, it's all playlists and mixes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just so easy. It just keeps coming to you. And it is kind of cool that you can discover new stuff that way, I yeah. guess. That's like, that's neat. But there is a certain magic to listening to an album, you know, start to finish in the way it was intended to be listened to. Yeah. Queen is so special to me. It's one of those bands where just like, I've got so many memories throughout my life. Like I've got, I've got friendships that like kind of started, you know, uh, with a, with a love of queen and like, like memories of jamming queen with a buddy, you know, out of nowhere, I've, you know, that just an afternoon where you get together to jam with somebody for the first time. They're like, Oh yeah, here, how about this queen song? And it's like innuendo or like, now I'm here. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like you're not just like picking up a bass guitar and go like do 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 yeah but do 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 like it was some deep cuts and and like it's it's a magical feeling like I I had a a love that only happened because of some Queen lyrics you know like it it, it was Queen's been been there for uh, for a lot of my journey all the ups and downs of your life yeah you know I and Queen's one of those bands where like. You hear a song and it takes you back to a place. I mean, I know I've got, there, there are other bands like that, but like, you know, if, if I, if I hear the, the Miracle album, I'm instantly back in like senior year of high school, heartbroken from, from a relationship ending, pining after this girl that I was in the school play with and just like driving my truck around all sad, listening to the Miracle. You know, it's a, <laughs> it, 
it's got very real visceral feelings attached to it. Well, and I was thinking about Queen and and how they are, they probably are the perfect band for you. They can rock with the best of them. Like the, like their straight, you know, rock and roll stuff is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're all super accomplished musicians at what they do. You know, they've got that. Um, soft more emotional side you know they are the what's that supposed to mean (laughs) i was thinking about like it's kind of like chris reeves like like they can be superman and be that big bold thing that you want but then they could also be somewhere in time Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) like they can do both that like a lot of their like you know some of that stuff like i'm not as big of a fan of it like i like i appreciate what you know the musicality of it but it's not not my jam yeah but it it fits you yeah that's cool. <laughs> I, I've, I'm, I'm speechless. I like that. I mean, well, yeah, there, there's, there's nobody like them and like their genius isn't only like the mastery of their, their, um, their instruments, but also their versatility. Cause like you're saying, like, yeah. you know, they can give the world straight up like hard rock and roll, you know, that like the, there's like stone cold crazy and like prophets song, you know, that are just like hard, you know, like they're a little bit Led Zeppelin there. But then they can also give you opera and rockabilly and like 80s, like club dance, almost venturing into like funk or disco. Whatever it is that uh, Seaside Avenue or whatever. Seaside Rendezvous. Yeah, Seaside Rendezvous, like whatever the hell that is. Yeah. They can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what genre that would be. Like. Yeah, that and like Bring Back Leroy Brown. Like the, yeah. those, those are such wild, weird songs. And that's the real shame how much brilliant music there is out there that people have never heard and they probably never will because it's not going to get played on the radio. You are never going to hear Seaside Rendezvous no. or, or the Millionaire Waltz on the radio. And it, it's such a bummer because that was like an odyssey for me in, in my teen years. We, you know, because I, I, well, I guess, should we start with first impressions? Yeah, let's now that do we've it. talked about Queen a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you want me to go? You sounded like you were onto something there. Yeah, well, I, I have to go back from where I was because my first impression, I've got a little, um, a little confusion or not confusion, but, but it's a little hazy as to whether it was either Wayne's World with the Bohemian Rhapsody headbanging in the car scene or listening to the classic Queen compilation album at my buddy Ryan Snyder's house. It's like chicken or egg. I don't know if we were, if he got classic Queen and we were listening to it because of Wayne's World or if he just happened to have it and we were super into it and then Wayne's World came out and we're like, fuck yeah, it's this. But like Classic Queen was the first album. I, uh, uh, or I mean, do you call a greatest hits album an album? I think so. I think okay. it's still, it's just a, it's just like a compilation. Album. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's, no, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's not a studio album, but I guess they're all studio. It is a release, or, but yeah. that was my first, you know, love of Queen. All the, all the songs that were on there. I didn't have any concept of what came from what era or anything. Like it was just, it was classic queen. I was like eight years old. You know, it, it was, it was all new, all fresh. And it, it blew my mind. Like just the, the, the wall of sound, you know, with, with the, all the harmonies or the guitar wall, yeah. like it, it's just tickled my pickle right then and there, you know, from the beginning, it was, it was for me. Now, what about you? At eight years old, huh? Yeah, man. Nice. I mean, whoa, shit. That's pre Weird Al and Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's young. That's young to get to like hear music and be like, this is my music. Yeah. Spoiler alert, though. I stopped hanging out with that person, uh, with, with Ryan, and 
I had bought that little cassette single that I've talked about before with uh, The Show Must Go On and Bohemian Rhapsody that they released in 91. So maybe, I mean, maybe I was nine years old. I thought Wayne's World was 90, but it could have been 91 also. It's probably about that It's one of those. But then after that, I didn't really listen to Queen anymore until it was, uh, it was either seventh or eighth grade. That's, I mean, that's kind of when you're getting back, like when you really start getting into music, at least it was for me. Yeah. Like I wasn't really into music in like fifth grade. Yeah, like I, I, in fifth, I think fifth grade was when I started listening to Michael Jackson and Weird Al. Yeah, and like that, that was when I was like, you know, forming an identity. That'd be a weird identity if you formed it around Michael Jackson and Weird Al. I, it, it, it is a weird identity. Maybe that's why I had so much <laughs> just struggle, struggle in, uh, in junior high until hey, guess what? Queen came back into my life, and uh, our buddy uh, Ryan Welch, remember that guy? I do remember Ryan. Yeah. 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 He, um, he came over with Queen's greatest hits, like the maroon companion to the dark blue, uh, classic queen. And it was just like people describe in the seventies when you would go to somebody's place and just sit in their room and listen to an Smoke album. Smoke some dope. <laughs> well, but that, that's what we did. We threw, we threw Queen's greatest hits on the, uh, on the CD player. And just sat there and listened to it. And there were songs I had never heard before because it was the, you know, sister compilation. And it reignited me. So that brings me up to speed to where I was earlier. But let's get your first impression. My first impression was definitely Wayne's World. Like, uh, without a doubt. Like, I I mean, maybe I'd heard Queen on the radio at some point before that. Probably because they, I mean, they've been around. Mm -hmm. But uh, they didn't make an impression on me. Until I saw Wayne's World and, uh, you know, the iconic Bohemian Rhapsody scene in Mm -hmm. the car. I remember thinking, like, that was cool as shit. I loved that movie and that scene. And that probably was junior high sometime. Maybe I mean, if you you saw it when it was new, then we were eight or nine years old. Yeah, I I mean, I know I didn't see it in the theater. (laughs) So I'm not sure where or when I saw it. But it was probably junior high sometime that, that I first... Took note of Queen. I mean, and Bohemian Rhapsody is a lot of people's intro into Queen. Like, I know my kids, like, that's the first song that they dug. And it's not from Wayne's World. But, like, just hearing it and being like, you know, because you hear it, like, it's a fucking production. Yeah. You know, it's not just, like, a quick and dirty rock song. Or it's not like anything else on the radio. Like, when it comes on, it's so dramatic and so full. Yeah, even from from the first, you know, like, multi-layer vocal notes. Of the, is this the real yeah. life? You know, you're like, what, what? Yeah, it just, it just hits you. And, and then it fucking kicks into the wicked solo and the rock and roll ending there. And it, I mean, it just has it all. Like yep. it, it is like, you're like, okay, these guys are onto something. Like no one else is doing that. You got bands doing harmonies and stuff here and there, but like weird little operatic things and, uh, you know, with blistering guitar solos and yeah. Freddie Mercury's fucking voice. And yeah. And, and just like, like running the tape clear. With all the uh, all the multi layers that they yeah. did, like like almost destroying the tape, based on on all the layering they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just hearing that and thinking like, all right, I need to check out some more of these guys. Mm-hmm. I think when I did my like BMI scam, the uh, you know where you'd send away for the ten CDs for a penny. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the Billboard Billboard yeah. Music or or no, oh uh, Columbia House. Columbia and House shit. and shit. Yeah, yep. yeah. I fucking uh, bilked those guys out of some CDs. <laughs> oh shit! I was always too scared to. Because I'd heard somewhere like, you can't enter into a contract with a minor. I was like, ha suckers, I'm only 14. <laughs> <laughs> Eat shit. My dad made me send a ba- box back once because he, you know, 
he got the the letter being like, you need to pay us. And he was like, fuck this, this stealing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I thought like, says bullshit, Ben. Yeah. You know, like the four or five I'd gotten before that though, were mine to keep forever. Just like the ad said. Anyway, I'd gotten a, you know, a queen, a queen's greatest hits album. I don't remember which one it was. Cause they've got a bunch of them. I do. You do remember which one it was? I feel like I saw it in your room once. I, I think it was the the one, uh, the one that like the original one that had like all of them like like lounging on the cover with like a mostly black cover and then like the ba- yeah. there, there's a yep. frame of them with it with like a red frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one is what, or at least at some point was like the highest selling single in the UK, or not single, the highest selling album in the UK. Kind of like Eagles with their greatest hits here. I believe it because it was chock full of good shit. Yeah. I don't remember exactly every song that was on it, but uh, I remember listening to the shit out of it, and uh, it was weird syntax. Yeah. <laughs> you took all the shit on that, and you listened to the but, uh, shit out of it. I remember listening to it a bunch and uh, really enjoying it, being like, all right, I like Queen. But it was like, you know, I like Queen. I will listen to them sometimes. It wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't Queen's fine. the epiphany that it was for you. And I wouldn't get into like much, much of their back catalog until later when you would tell me to listen to stuff. Yeah. And that, that's the thing when we were in junior high, like it wasn't the cool thing to like queen. No, like, not at all. Queen, queen wasn't cool. Like Bohemian Rhapsody was cool because of Wayne's world. And everybody knew that that song was, was gorgeous sporting events. You had, we will rock you and we are the champions. Of course. Another one bites the dust was always around crazy little thing called love was a song that everyone thought was Elvis somehow or, or or spun out of that yeah and, you know, and we're like wait that's that's queen and, and it's not a cover it's very you know that era of rock and roll yeah well, yeah and know. i mean like it it had like a because it came out in 1980 and it, and it had like a it was like a proto rockabilly because yeah. it was after the original stuff but you know like it was definitely inspired by elvis and all that yeah most definitely but i mean so i i was describing it earlier is as you know going on an odyssey in my teen years like just buying album after album and actually listening to these tunes that I never would have imagined existed. Like, like, like you mentioned shit like seaside rendezvous, which is just like, it's a weird, like, uh, it's like British barber shop quartet. <laughs> yeah. What the, weird, I don't know. Yeah. It's got weird noises in it. And it's like a, like a little, it, it's, it's like, it, like in my I brain, mean, it's in black and white. Oh, interesting. Like, I don't know what that, like, like it's a song, so it doesn't have color, but like, it, like it's, it's something that like would be in black and white. Well, you know, it's kind or of, sepia. It, it's kind of a show tune. Yeah. And, and like, you can imagine like dancing along a boardwalk to it. You know, it's a seaside rendezvous. They're making all sorts of like horn sounds and shit. And like Brian May's guitar that he's futzed with so much that it, that it sounds like a, like a, like a lute or something. <laughs> yeah. But it was such an awesome journey being able to, to discover these songs that, that I've, you know, that weren't on the greatest hits albums. Cause that, that's all I knew was a couple yeah. of greatest hits. And all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, I get why it didn't get radio play and it wasn't released as a single. Oh yeah. It's super but, eccentric. Yeah. Like, like they're all over the place. All of their albums have at least one good song. Like at a minimum. Yeah. And then there's some like other pretty good stuff. And then there's a couple stinkers in there as far as, you know, for my opinion, but there's some, fuck you. there's just some weird stuff. Like they, they just kind of did made the music they wanted to make. Like they definitely were not making music to a genre. Yeah. They were not, you know, saying, here's what the audience wants. Let's give it to them. They were just getting in the studio and having fun making music. And it comes through so wonderfully. Well, and I think a lot of that, like, especially the, the theatricality 
comes from Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. You know, born Farouk Bulsara in in Zanzibar to like a uh, to his his father was was Indian, but had Pakistani descent. Like he was he, his nationality was, was Indian because he was born there. But I imagine his dad was born before they were two separate countries anyway, because that didn't happen until like the 40s. Yeah. So. Oh, weird. Yeah. So maybe he just claimed Indian as his nationality, but I don't, I mean, I don't, at some point he I had, don't know enough he about the to, history. Because yeah. they split into two countries and they hated each other. So you had to pick a side eventually. Wow. That's what I'm, I'm woefully under or uneducated about, uh, about India and, and Asia <laughs> <laughs> history. Um, but his dad wanted him, you know, out of Zanzibar because of all of the uh, strife that was going on in the country back then. So he, and he wanted him to be well educated. So he sent him up to British, uh, or he sent him to British schools in India first, and then uh, Freddie went to university in uh, in Great Britain. What, uh, year, what year was he born? He was born in 1947, I believe. Okay, yeah. So he's so like it, two years older than my dad. So it was fully a British colony then yeah. at that point still. And that's where Freddie went into fashion and design and nobody's shocked. But, you know, Freddie was, was already into music and he, and he, like, he loved rock music once he got into England and started discovering like Beatles and, and uh, fucking Led Zeppelin and shit. But like he had a love of show tunes and opera, you know, from when he was younger. So it, it was all these, uh, all these different sources coalescing into this. So he was, he was a very, uh, I don't know. I think he was destined, destined to be theatrical. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely made for it. Yeah. I mean, the guy is, is larger than life. Like, yeah. like he, I, I'm curious if he was as intense as he seems on stage and in video in person. What's interesting is I, I've, I've heard lots of accounts because I've watched a lot of documentaries on Queen. I've read books about Queen. Like I, I loved this band so much. I don't have the patience anymore to read, you know, biography books. books yeah, <laughs> about a band like I used to. But like Queen and Pink Floyd. Like I'm so glad I read the books about them because it was fun reading reading the history. Um, but Freddie, from all accounts, was a very shy person. Like off really? stage, and and there was something about. When he would put on his makeup and put on his, his clothes, you know, his wild getups and then step on stage, it was a performance and, and that he would get into the character of Freddie Mercury. But then like after the show, he would reportedly be asking people like, was, was I okay? Like, did, did I do good out there? You know, like, uh, how was I? Yeah, it's nuts. And if you see interviews with him, he's a completely normal person. He can be very charming and, you know, he can crack jokes. But, you know, he's not, he's not just like, oh, darling, blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 like it's, he's, he's a fairly down to earth person. Um, he, he was just somebody who stepped on stage and commanded the room and knew how to work a crowd and, uh, and enjoyed every second of his life. You know, I, it, it was interesting when I, when I heard that, um, you know, one of his influences was Liza Minnelli. And then all of a sudden you, you oh, think no of like shit. her dancing around in cabaret and you're like. Oh, that is totally Freddie Mercury. Like he's half Robert Plant, half uh, Liza Minnelli. You know, it, it was, uh, it's, he was a very fascinating, fascinating guy. Yeah. I went through and, and did like, uh, like short, like impression descriptions of each of the band members. Mm -hmm. And my one for Freddie was uh, sensuality personified. Cause he's <laughs> just like, 
He, he just looks like he's having, like, he's going to make love to everything on stage when he's performing. Yeah, like, yeah. He's just, he's, did that microphone? That's it. That's his dick. Like, he, like he's going to he... rub up. He's just going to gyrate. He's crawling upstairs or doing whatever. Like, just, damn, dude. <laughs> like, is he fucking the air right yeah. now? This guy fucks. <laughs> oh, geez. What was that? Silicon Valley reference? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy fucks. Yeah, no good call. And like there there are certain like concerts where like, you know, he'll start out with like pants and a shirt and a jacket and a hat. And by the end, he's wearing like little booty shorts and a scarf. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, yep. Man, yeah. that guy. And his talent is unmistakable. Like his, what he can do with his voice and the range and uh, just variation that he has in it is, is fucking nuts. The guy is phenomenal. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, he had he had some extra teeth packed in there, and that's what gave him him such an uh, unmistakable like a uh, set a set of pearly whites there that that uh, really just stuck out. But you know, people would ask him like, "Why don't you just why don't you get them removed?" And he's like, he he thought that the way it expanded his palate that that was why he was able to hit all of the notes he could and sing the way he could because he had such a you know like you said a range, but also just like a sharpness and a power. Like oh, in yeah. all of that, 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 you know, that it, it's impossible to mimic. Like in Mustafa, mm -hmm. like, holy shit. Like, like, it's just so intense. Yeah. Nice pull. Yeah. No, I love That's a song nobody song. will ever, will ever hear on the <laughs> yeah, radio. That's, that's for like, damn sure. Absolutely. But yeah, like just like the power and, and force he's able to put behind his voice is nuts. Yeah. I wonder, is there any like. The, like scientifically backing up the fact that that was or is that just a superstition that like my extra teeth make me sing good from all i've heard it's just a superstition yeah you know, that, that that was just something he felt oh. because i'm sure he didn't understand it either i mean i guess when you make your money off your mouth don't fuck with your mouth yeah like i mean if it did fuck it up like oh boy that'd be terrible Oh, yeah. And he would also talk about or apparently he said something even about like the resonance of his voice, like how it comes from his throat and, you know, it, it goes through his mouth. So like if he had less teeth or he got oral surgery or something like there'd be, you know, maybe it would weaken it because it would have less surfaces it's bouncing off of or something like I don't know. I don't again, I don't think that's scientifically um, yeah. founded, but he's got extra toothular amplification. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an amplification. Listen, um, I mean. It was interesting because I was also writing down little little profiles for the band members. And when it came to Freddie, like, it was just sort of like, what can you say that hasn't been said? Nothing. He's a genius. We all know it. Like, that's it. Like, I've seen so many documentaries where everybody's saying the exact same thing. You know, he could command a crowd. Nobody's a performer quite like him. You know, like, and it's all true. But I feel like it's something that we've all heard. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah. So I, I, I think it would be criminal to not also spotlight the other members of the band because absolutely one thing is for certain freddie mercury on his own could not have been queen like queen was a group effort that i think if any one of the pieces were missing it would not be anywhere near what it was um i mean we can start with uh with brian may if you like the uh the guitarist and astrophysicist. Yeah, no shit. Right? Like, Isn't that so rad? Motherfucker is an astrophysicist. Yeah, so, yeah. My, my description for uh, for Brian uh, was a wizened high priest of rock because he <laughs> he just kind of always has like this like like I guess more serious demeanor. Like he he got goofy occasionally as well, but he wasn't quite as flamboyant as Freddie was. But uh, 
He's just kind of in the back doing his thing, adding his vocals. It, like in, like at least all the videos I've seen of songs where he's singing, he's a lot more serious and stoic. Yeah. He's not, you know, humping anything. Uh, <laughs> and uh, damn, could that guy play guitar? Yeah, man. Like that guy just commanded the neck of the guitar in, in a way that other people, not that other people can, but in a way that other people did not, you know, like, like he just, he, he had a style, you know, that, yeah. that was all his own. And I mean, like his solos are so fucking badass. Like sometimes they're, they're beautiful and subtle, like in uh like these are the days of our lives or even Bohemian Rhapsody. And sometimes his solos fucking shred like, yeah. uh, like crazy little thing called love. Like I mentioned earlier and, uh, and the song I want it all off of, uh, yeah. What was that on? The fucking miracle. I'll take your word for <laughs> I it. I think it's on the miracle. You know, I, I stopped short on my notes of like putting a track listing on every uh, album. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that might be a little much. And then sometimes like he would make weird noises, like in the songs like Seaside Rendezvous or like Good Company. You know, like early on, he would mess with like the filters and effects on his guitar to make it sound like not a guitar. Yeah, I love the sounds he can get out of it. Like, I like I love. I mean, it's more a guitar sound, but like, I absolutely love the sound of the guitar in like "Death on Two Legs." Oh fuck, dude! Like, it's just such a cool fucking rough mm-hmm. sound. Oh, that's awful. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, that, I'm, I will be encouraging people to listen to that song later. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking um, great. And did you know that Brian May's Red Special that he plays? was built by him and his father when he was a yeah, kid. I've heard that before. Yeah, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Build a guitar with your dad and then like, that's your guitar. Like that's the guitar you fucking play everything on. Yep. Forever. And they, they put in so many switches and so many different like effects and pickups. And, and like, uh, there's even like a switch where it like flips the, uh, the effect that's on there or something. So it's like, I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. Cause I was looking into it for a while of getting like a, um, a you know some some companies have have put out red special clones yeah and i know you know you can do like a polarity switch where it's that's what it is where it yeah swaps the polarity on the pickups i have that on the tysco even oh really like i put that in on that one. Oh, i think i may have even had that on my on my uh on my les paul i didn't even Quite think a few about that but yeah it just gives you it gives you a little bit of a different sound it's like you can Flip of a switch, you can change how it sounds. It's yeah, it's it's wild. When I've seen like gear rundowns of of that red special, all the shit it can do, and they, they've also there are, some companies have even put out like a uh, a pedal that has a bunch of the red special effects on it. Cool. But if I got one of those, I wouldn't know what to do yeah, with right? it. I would be lost. I wouldn't know how to find like the killer queen sound. What you need like fuck? an instruction manual. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Turn like, this knob to this. Flip this switch. There you go. I bet somebody's done that actually on the internet. Like if you want to play death on two legs, this is, this is the, the, yeah. set, the setup that you need. Um, and then we've got Roger Taylor on the drums. Um, this guy, I think even more so than Freddie Mercury loves being a rock star. Oh man. Yeah. My, my, my description for him was pretty boy. <laughs> like, like if, if Freddie Mercury is the, the guy you know, uh, giving you the best night of your life. Uh, he's like the cute girl winking at you from across the room. <laughs> That's so good. Cause he's just like, 
Like, man, he's just, he's, he's just a beautiful man. Like, he's just got such soft features. He's always got, like, eyeliner and stuff on. Like, I was just like, man, this guy. He's got big eyes. Yeah, it's just. A roundy, a more, a more like, uh, not, not slender, but, you know, almost effeminate jawline. Yeah. You know, like, where, where Freddie Mercury has, like, this austere yes. jaw. You know, like, like yeah, he, he, yeah, Roger Taylor does have more delicate features. He was the one, the one person in the, uh, I want to break free video where you're like, oh, look at, look at her there. <laughs> I mean, Freddie had a mustache. Like, but... And he winks at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're playing off it. He's the one wearing a short skirt. The video too, like, I loved that Freddie still has his mustache when he's dressed as a woman. Yeah. But then like when he's doing the weird elf naked suit thing and they're like, you know, he's like rolling across people and they're carrying him and he's got like elf ears on. Uh, he doesn't have his mustache there. So it's like, what is, what's this? Same video. Yeah. Like, oh, like really? He, yeah. Like it, it, it like cuts to him and he's like got like a little trumpet and like ha hands it off. And then they like, they carry him and then he like dives and like, they all like roll and he like rolls across. It's really bizarre. Oh, weird. It's been a long time since I've yeah. seen that video from beginning to end. But it's weird. He doesn't have his mustache there. So it's like he deliberately, like he Perfect. shaved his mustache for the video, but he deliberately left it on <laughs> <laughs> when he's playing the lady vacuum. Oh, and like it. Roger Taylor. Like there, there's unfortunately like there isn't much that, that is like stand out about what he does, but he is just a solid fucking rock and roll drummer. And when you watch like live performances of them, like he loves it. Like he is so fucking into it. He even had like on, on some of the performances, like, like a, uh, what is it? The timpani, like the, the yeah. those big giant things with the mallets. And like, he does like a timpani solo and you're like, who the fuck cares about a timpani solo? He's like, yeah, but I'm a fucking rock star. And like, you know, he, he was definitely the one that, um, that, that if you see interviews, like he just, he just loves that, that the spotlights on him and that he gets women and, you know, like, I don't, I don't think he was too, was too into drugs. You know, like I think, I think of all of them, the, the drug stuff was Freddie's scene. But, you know, they, they loved to drink and they loved, uh, he and Brian loved, uh, going and getting some ladies. I don't know if understated is the right word. Cause like he's there, but like, like he doesn't, uh, he's not like John Bonham where he's just got a bunch of like big in your face solos and like fancy stuff. Like as a non drummer, like unless I listen for the drums in the song, like th they don't stick out to me. But then when you do listen to them, you're like, uh, like there's a lot going on here and they fit like they work. Like they never stick out cause they're wrong. But he doesn't really, he's not really in your face with a lot of what he's doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's he just kind of supporting he doesn't, the music. He doesn't have like those giant weird beats or solos or anything. Like he did have a solo in um, Keep Yourself Alive very early on. That, that, that was the first drum solo in, in quotes that I ever learned because it's, it's pretty simple. But, but I mean, like, yeah, he's just, he's solid. And he's got this weird thing where like when he hits the snare, like he loosens up on the hi-hat just a little bit. And like, it, it creates a really interesting, unique effect. He also wrote a bunch of the songs too. Like, I mean, we oh, wouldn't, yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have Radio Gaga without him. Like that's probably his biggest hit. Um, I think he also wrote, um, a kind of magic, but I mean, on each album, he had a couple songs credited to him because they, they would, whoever wrote the song was ultimately the master of that song. Like they would get final say and also when it goes on the album, they would get the money if it became a single and stuff like, you know, they, oh, really, it, yeah, that's cool. It wasn't an even split until later on in their career. That's a really, I mean, that's really so, fun. Sometimes it caused problems because they'd be fighting over who gets a song on the album. Cause if you're not getting your tracks on the album, you're then, not getting paid. Yeah. I mean, it, 
it, it speaks to like what I was saying earlier about, how, you know, they got in the studio and they wrote the music they wanted that like, like I love that, you know, Freddie's a big influence. I mean, and he's writing a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff, but every single one of these guys wrote songs yeah. and sung songs and they all, I mean, you hear their voices on everything is the, because uh, of the harmonies, if yep. nothing else, but they all sang songs and wrote songs. And it's, it's cool that like they were allowed to have like full control of their own songs. Yeah. I, I love that, that at the end of the day, you know, like, like everyone let's collaborate on this song. But at the end of the day, like if we have a disagreement, this is my song and I get to, I get veto power. Yeah. Granted at the end, you know, if, if you got veto power and the rest of the band didn't like what you did, I, I suppose it would, it would be up to the band to say like, well, I don't think this one's going on the album. Yeah, it's now. not, it's not make strong. The cut. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the one problem I had with Roger Taylor written songs was a problem that I feel I have myself when I write songs where he tried too hard for the rhyme. Like, like the rhyme was the most important thing for him. And sometimes the song suffered because it seems like you're a slave to the rhyme. And that's why I don't like my, my own lyrics. Cause I, I do that same thing, but like there's a song called, um, fuck. Why can't I remember the name of the song right now? Regardless, the line says, uh, uh I got away with the girls on my block. Oh, it's called Tenement Funster. I've got away with the girls on my block. Try my best to be a real individual. Okay, that's the line. Ooh, that's and then rough. it says, yeah. He's then setting he says, himself up for failure. And when we go down the Smokies and Rock, they light up like it's some kind of ritual. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world is happening here? Like, this is, this is strange. I mean, a totally different music genre, but like Depeche Mode does that a lot too. Just slaves to the rhyme. And it, it sucks sometimes. But that's a pretty fun song still. Like the, the yeah. tune's great. <laughs> but um, yeah, Roger Taylor's songs are, are generally not my favorite. Like he's got, I, I'm in love with my car. And uh, again, yeah. Tenement Funster and um, more of that jazz. You know, they're okay, but they're really drum heavy. And it's got like a, like a real, like, I don't know. It's, they're, they're, they seem more simple usually. You know, like they're, they're not big, complicated, orchestrated affairs. They're just more like straight rock songs. Right, which is fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And he sang them a lot when they're his songs. So, and he's got more of like a, like a Rod Stewart high rasp. Yeah. But that can get angelic, I guess, sometimes. But, sorry, we're spending way too much time on Roger Taylor. I, I was afraid that I wouldn't have... It's almost have like a, you're a drummer. <laughs> well, when I was taking my notes, I was like, I don't really have much to say about Roger. Uh, and, and so maybe I think I was just talking so, so I wasn't just forgetting him. But I saved the best in a way for last. John Deacon, I've said this for decades now, is the most underrated bass player to ever exist. This man was fucking brilliant. Respect, John Deacon, yeah, son of a bitch. He's got some fantastic bass lines. <sighs> he, he was the quiet one. You know, like, yeah. like, if, like Brian, I wanted to call Brian May the quiet one because like you said, he's in the background, he's stoic, he's doing his job, but, but John Deacon truly was the quiet one in the band. <laughs> and, you know, to the point to where even though you see him singing in videos, he didn't really sing on the albums. He, he didn't feel like a strong singer, but his, his bass lines are so just like, understated and subtle that they don't they don't stand out at all but like you know similar to what you were saying about roger taylor's drums once you're listening for them like they are so fucking good they complement the rest of the music so well i really appreciate that when when you know the 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 different members of the band are complementing each other and not just like 
trying to do the biggest, coolest thing for themselves the whole time. Yeah. And Queen does that in spades. Like they're all, they, they just mesh so mm-hmm. fucking well. Yeah. My, my description for John Deacon was big accountant energy. <laughs> because he's, he just seems like the normal guy in the band. Yeah. Like everyone else has got all these crazy costumes and he's sitting there playing his bass in a sweater vest. Yeah. Like just, he's just the, the normal dude that, you know, he knows how to play the bass and uh, he knew these guys and he's, so he's going to come in here and fucking play the bass and, and it's great. Yeah. And he's not <laughs> kicking. He's not like no. getting in front of people or air humping or, or doing anything at all. Like, I mean, you would see him. Like he would usually, usually, uh, be playing by Freddie's piano. You know, he'd be yeah. on that side of the stage. Brian would be on the opposite side and like, you could see them like looking at each other and smiling, but like, you know, he, he was kind of like when we were in a band together where like, you know, we didn't, we didn't move a lot. We didn't put on a show. I mean, I was behind a drum set, so that was my excuse, <laughs> but we all kind of stood there. I dressed up in stupid costumes to, That's to, true. uh, compensate for my lack of, you know. Yeah. You moving. did play a show as Shredder. Yeah, okay, I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he was so understated. But like, he would move around the neck. Like he wasn't like oh, a no. like so like a fucking punk yeah. rock bassist where he's just gonna follow the guitar. Like, and and everything was so subtle and just so woven into the music. And there are times where where John Deacon would write little bass fills, just like just little fills that like it created such a strong emotional reaction in me. And it seems so stupid to, to be saying this, you know, that, that like that, that it could like break my heart, like just this one little thing, but like even like, like his baseline throughout the entirety of, uh, these are the days of our lives is so fucking gorgeous. The way, you know, when it, when it does the, those were the days of our lives. And then you just have a little boo do 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 like, Oh, and then, it, and then there's another little part in the middle of the solo before it launches into the, uh, into the, you know, the, the big climax of the solo where, where it goes really big, but there's just one little line that it's, it's almost like a, like a minor version of, of that other line from the chorus, but, but it like, it breaks down enough, like the guitar solo just sort of cuts out and he's just like, do, 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 do. And for some reason, like li- listen to that song and listen for that line. But it, it just like destroys me. Like it's such <laughs> a sad, just like four notes, but it is so emotional to me. It's so, I mean, like I said, it's kind of embarrassing, but, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's true. Like I, I just, I feel his bass so much. Um, I, and there's, there's one other, fuck, what was it? Oh, and then also in the song Mother Love which was from the album Made in Heaven that was released after Freddie was dead. And like a lot of the songs, like, you know, you can tell Freddie knew he was dying. Everyone knew he was dying. They knew that these were the last recordings they were ever going to have. And Mother Love is a sad song. And there's another one of those little bass lines in there that, ju- that just kills me. The only other time I've heard John Deacon getting his due was um, when I was listening to James Bonding years ago. And they were, they were just talking music and, uh, and Matt Myra just like, he's like, man, there's this bass player that never gets enough credit. And I was like, like my ears perked up. I was like, say it, say it. He's say like, his name. Yeah. He's like John Deacon from Queen. I was just like, thank you so much. And unfortunately, John Deacon just once Freddie died, like that, that was it for him. Like he came back for, for one more song that they wrote, um, called only the good die young or no one, but you in parentheses, only the good die young. That was like a tribute to Freddie and princess Diana. 
But other than that, like he's stayed completely out of uh, performing. Oh, I mean, he did the tribute concert, of course, but but that was it for him. You know, he retired wow. to the country with his family. And, I mean, does uh, Bri- like Brian May doesn't do much anymore, does he? What? Like, does, I mean, like I mean, I see him like talking on things and no doing uh, physics, but is is he still like playing? Yeah, Brian and Roger have been touring with Adam Lambert for years now. Oh, that's right. I yeah. Did, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're they're super into it. But yeah, he does a lot of stuff on YouTube now. He finally let his hair go white. Yeah. And um he's still got the same mop on top. <laughs> but, Never but, he can't cut that white. hair, man. <laughs> I know. Imagine him with short hair. <laughs> no, nah, he's gotta keep <laughs> that big curly bush of hair he's got. It's iconic. Yeah. I think I think he's I think he'd look like one of those uh, Easter Island statues if he sh- if he cut his hair short. <laughs> he's got a very tall head. Yeah, and his yeah, big and, poofy hair kind of rounds it out. And that was a thin man. Holy oh, yeah. shit! When they're wearing dude. those tight outfits, like he he must have weighed like a buck twenty five, even though he's like six three or something. Like if he was a skinny skinny dude. Um, whoo! Talked about the band a lot. But that's probably a good thing because that's what this episode yeah, is about. That's literally <laughs> the episode. I mean, um, so what do you think? Do you wanna do you wanna take a little break right now? I'm fucking hot as shit. Yep. I purposely didn't bitch about uh about the weather earlier. Once I had Joey over for dinner and and uh Joey and Devin and like we're just like, hey, how's it going? He's like, oh, how are you feeling? A little, uh, little overworked and uh tired and uh, it's it's hot or something like that. I was like, shit. That's a, that's a loyal listener there. So yeah, let's uh, let's go take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some history and some structure. Shit, yeah. History slash albums. I don't know. We'll talk about Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Check out our podcast, Grand Rapidians Play Video Games. Every episode, we review a beer. Talk about games we play. And recommend a podcast or something else. I'm Willie. I'm not your normal beer snob. I've been to more than 150 different breweries, but I always keep hams in the fridge. (laughs) I'm Ginger, and I am in the first Guinness World Record Book video game edition on the Tetris page. I'm Simon, and I can usually kick their butt in most video games. (laughs) We drink while we record. (laughs) Fuck yes, we do. (laughs) Find us wherever you find podcasts, and enjoy. Welcome back, Ben. Thanks, John. Appreciate that warm welcome. Yeah. I'm glad you're back, too. We've talked about the band and the members themselves and what they mean to us and what their music means to us, but why don't we get into talking a little history and, you know, some of the albums, some of the greatest hits, some of the uh, worst dips. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So I think the uh, the logical place to start with the, uh, with the formation of Queen would be with the band Smile. Do you, do you know Smile's oh, yeah. music? I, I have not thought of Smile in years. I remember you, like, I mean, I'm sure you introduced me to them years ago. Certainly. And uh, I have vague memories of it, but uh, not something I've revisited any time recently. Yeah, there are some, like, bootleg-level albums that have been released out there, because, I, I mean, it's, it's, I can't imagine it's controlled by the record company that owns the Queen catalog with, with the, uh, the, uh, the releases I've seen, but... So back, uh, back in the late 60s, there was a band called Smile with uh, Roger Taylor and Brian May, and then Tim Staffel on uh, bass and vocals. And honestly, I like their music. They did the original version of Doing All Right. You know, Queen ends oh, up re-recording right. yeah. it um, for their first album. 
but it was it was different there was no piano and uh it was i i really like that version a lot um possibly even more than the queen one they did a song called planet earth that was really good and polar bear and this song called step on me that is so much fun i i fully recommend people going and uh and seeking out smile and listening to it it was just like you know seven or eight songs that they that they put out and they'd play the college circuit for those who have seen the bohemian rhapsody movie that that was the band that freddie was going to go see you know and that, and that he wanted to uh you know he'd, he'd get up and sing with them at parties and stuff but freddie was off doing his own thing with bands called like um like ibex and shit there was another band that i just heard the name of like on my way up here and i forgot to uh to write the name down i mean i was driving and watching a youtube video so i couldn't even put it in my phone notes <laughs> i mean listening to a youtube video <laughs> yeah you gotta do the trifecta there and yeah. pull your phone out and type it in <laughs> but and freddie also sang with uh with larry lurics i always loved That's a uh, cool name. yeah i always loved that and they did like a like a cover of um the beach boys i can hear music which actually ended up being instrumental to uh to getting queen signed once freddie joined up with them you know like they they came together after a while the smile had broken up and they uh got together and they formed queen and they had to uh audition a, a few different bases before they came to deaky john deacon and um and then they were formed you know john deacon didn't have the history so he always felt uh, you know he was like the odd man out at least at first um but from all accounts he and freddie formed a pretty a pretty strong bond. Like, like D John Deacon was closer to Freddie than he was to Brian and Roderick. He wasn't like the party animal that they were, um, early in the day. And this is what early seventies. Yes. This would have been probably like 1970 when, when they got together. Cause I, I know I remember uh, being a little fuzzy on the history at some point because like, you know, some articles would say like, Oh, their history can be traced back to 1967. I'm like, what the fuck? But I think that's more like, it's like smile, including smile. Yeah. yeah. And another song that, um, that Freddie did with, um, with Larry Lurics was a cover of a, of a song originally, well, it was a song called going back. The version that his is most like is the dusty Springfield version, which I thought was the original. It's not. There's also a version by the birds. That's uh, mm. that's really good. And that's, I, I think that one's probably a little more, a little more like the original. It was Carol King who did the original oh, one. Shit. Yeah. And that song in all of its versions is so fucking good. That was my, my earliest, like, okay. Remember fucking Napster? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Wow, dude. I remember being at comics and comics in Folsom using Napster because at the, at the end of, um, of one of the songs on, oh, at the end of mother love on, uh, on the made in heaven album, they do like this weird flashback, like, like back through time with little snippets of songs and right before a baby crying, which is a really weird choice. There was a, there was a snippet of going back and I was just like, what the fuck is this song? I've never heard it. Cause it was never on a queen album. Yeah. And, um, and so we, we found it on, you know, on the early days of the internet in the late nineties and with Napster. And I heard that song and it was such a low quality shit version, but it was so good. I love that song so much. And there's all these different versions that you can find everywhere, but, um, but all of them are great. Wait, did you say we were using Napster at the comic shop? Yeah. On their, on their like computer right by the register. <laughs> they had Napster installed on it. They didn't give a shit. Like <laughs> we, 
we ran that place. We were a bunch of little shits just doing whatever we wanted. I mean, I was probably 16 and, and they couldn't hire me because you had to be 18, but I'd still be hanging out behind the counter and just fucking helping people if I felt like it. Or I'd do, I'd do chores for them in, in exchange for like a uh, store credit. It was nice. great. Yeah. Mike and Davey were the best. That's exactly what a comic shop should be. Yeah. It was pretty great. It's all been downhill since then. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry for that, uh, for that tangent. So I guess first album. Yeah. Self-titled Queen 1973. Yep. I, this is one of the ones I went back and re-listened to. Like I didn't, get through, I didn't get through the whole discography, but I got through about half of it. There's a lot of albums. I think, there's I think altogether there's like, I mean, I think official album releases, there's like 15, I think maybe 16. Yeah. I mean, a lot, especially on the early ones, like they have a, a surprising number of like three minutes and below songs, like fairly short songs. You can blaze through them, but they come out swinging. Yeah. They kick the album off with Keep Yourself Alive, which is just a, a solid, like quick, unindulgent rock and roll song. Yeah. It, you know, it's just a great way to kick it off. It's got great guitar work on it already. And it's just the, the whole album, it's. It is absolutely, it is unmistakably queen from the get-go. Like they didn't like have to, they took a while to hit some of their like particularities later on, but from the beginning, they're fucking. Yeah. They're, they're theatrical. They're dramatic. Like they, they hadn't quite hit that wall of sound yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, but yeah, it's unmistakably queen. They're just, they're really raw. And to be honest, back in the day, like I was looking for that, for that wall of sound. Like I, that, that's what queen was to me. I didn't like the, this album, but oh, like really? these days I fucking love it. You know, like you said, keep yourself alive. They've got uh, their version of doing all right. And then songs like, like, uh, like great King rat and like uh, son and daughter also Jesus. Like, like they've, they've got, I guess, I guess just raw energy is the best way. Yeah, it's to rock describe and roll, it. man. Yeah. Yeah. They're just straight up rock and roll. And then songs like my fairy King, you know, have like the delicate, like, like little nuances and, you know, like they're dancing around a little bit vocally and, 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 uh, musically. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately this album went pretty much unnoticed. Um, from what I understand, the people who were pressing it, Trident records, they sent out copies of, of, uh, of the album or even just like the single, I think it was keep yourself live. Yeah. Just as like promotional stuff, but they didn't release it commercially at first. Oh, what? Yeah. And, uh, so it, it wasn't until actually going back to, um, you know, Freddie Mercury's cover of, uh, I can hear music by the beach boys where, where they had like vote, you know, the multi-layer vocals and everything where their manager at the time was just like, listen to this, like, this is what they can do. And then they got a commercial release. They got the okay to go with the, uh, with the next album. So was the next one Queen 2? It was. Yep, they're going the uh, the Led Zeppelin model. Uh, I don't like this one. Really? Yeah, it's just it's just kind of boring and nothing really stuck out to me on it. Whoa, you're breaking my heart! <laughs> like, I don't know. This one just didn't... Uh, I mean, it's got the iconic cover of, like, you know, Freddy with his arms, like, and, and the other guys behind him, like, you know... The co the cover that seems to be associated with Bohemian Rhapsody, even though Bohemian Rhapsody is not on this album. They did it in the video. So it was like yeah. they recreated that image for the video. And and that's why it's so ubiquitous. Yeah, I think that I think that his name was uh, Mick Rock they, the, uh, from Queen 2, or maybe the first album, I can't remember. But he was like their art director and photographer. Yeah, that is an iconic image that inspired even Alex Ross, 
who uh who oh yeah he's totally. do, he's done some dc work where he's where it's got that heavy shadow or you know the the hard yeah. light on the top with the shadows and he's like that comes from my favorite band my favorite album you know like he, he, so I, I was like oh good good for you alex ross you've got good musical taste at least um honestly i love this album really i love it a lot like there there are uh Okay, so there are some stinkers on there. Like someday, one day is you know Brian May's. Uh, kind of, yeah, it is kind of boring. Loser in the end is pretty standard. Roger Taylor, funny how love is. But like Marsha the Black Queen and the Fairy Fellers, uh, Master Stroke and White Queen as it began. Like those songs are so dynamic in my opinion. Like like I they they've got a weird structure. You know, it's not like you know verse chorus verse chorus yeah solo chorus verse chorus and you know they like they take you on a little trip but i mean to each their own i i really came around to queen two later on because like, like i said about the first album i didn't like these first two like they they did not do it for me it wasn't it wasn't queen to me as i was like i was just like this is just uh i don't know it just did none of them spoke to me and yeah. like I, I don't think i was familiar with really any of these songs like none of these are hits well, Seven Seas of Rye was the single, and that's that's actually it's also on the first album, though. But on the first album, it, it like did you listen to it on the first album? It's it, better on this one. Yeah, it's it's in a different key, yeah. and it's uh and it's slower, and it only has like the riff. Like I don't know why they put it on the it's first only like album. Like a minute and seventeen. Yeah, there's long. no lyrics. There's no solo. No, um, it's definitely. I think it's probably my favorite song on this album if i had to pick one yeah seven seas of rye is a great yeah, tune that like it ended strong it's like okay this is pretty this one's good at least yeah but i don't know like it just uh i mean looking at all these names it seems very fantasy inspired yeah <laughs> like i don't know what they were reading at this point <laughs> some tolkien maybe or who you know maybe they're just listening to lots of led zeppelin yeah exactly yeah um and you know what's weird to think is that like putting things into perspective you know like like this is post i mean i mean i guess this is still led zeppelin time yeah but but like it's weird to think of like the parallel timeline of queen and rush like this was when when rush was getting their start too and like oh, yeah. rush's 2112 where they where they became like untouchable basically was in 1976 which was one year before a night at the opera you know, which was Queen's album with Bohemian Rhapsody, where they became untouchable. It's so weird. Like, Rush seems like they would be later. Like, they seem so much more 80s to me for some reason. Well, they're, they're definitely more electronic. Yeah. Um, but, okay. So then uh, from there, I mean, Queen finally, or not finally, but Queen becomes Queen with their next album, Sheer Heart Attack. Yes. Now, this is a fun fucking album. Yeah. Maybe what did it for me was because they they... I think they both came out in 74, right? Let's see. I started going through chronologically and mm -hmm. the chronology, at least on Google, you know, because they were the same year. So maybe it just did it alphabetically. And oh. it's all kind of backwards. So I listened to Queen 2 before Sheer Heart Attack. Or after Sheer Heart after Attack. After Sheer Heart Attack. Oh, and that's why you were asking which one came out first. Okay, yeah, because I thought it was one album a year for the first many years, but... Having listened to your sheer heart attack, I don't know, it just felt like a regression going back to Queen 2 and a little bit dull. I could see that. Yeah. Because, I mean, sheer heart attack's got Killer Queen and Stone Cold Crazy. Mm -hmm. Stuff that it's just, it is so much more fucking rock and roll. Like, yeah. It's and it's good, polished. It's hard. Yeah. It's clean. Yeah. Like Killer Queen was their first single to really like 
start cementing them as a force to be reckoned with. Like, like it was, it was popular. It was, it had, it had such clean vocals and instrumentation and it, they started layering their vocals there. Like that, that was one of those songs with uh, Ryan Welch on, um, on Queen's greatest hits where when I first started hearing that, cause I, I remember there was like, um, I don't know if it was like one of those late night infomercials where, you know, like the rock compilation thing, but I had heard just the killer queen, like just that yeah. little snippet. And I was like, what is that? I'd heard that before. And when I heard the whole song, I was just like, what the fuck? Like it, it was beautiful. And, um, the solo for that was one of the first oh, solos yeah. I ever learned when I, um, when I started taking guitar lessons in, uh, in high school. Except and until it starts layering it at the end of it. So I just, I've just always just had to pick one line and stick with that. Well, if it, don't feel bad. So does Brian May when he plays it live. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, that, that album also has Tenement Funster that I mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely get into some more of these songs. In fact, this is also an album that I was listening to on my tape deck when I was all sad in high school. So... Oh, oh man. Oh geez. Just looking at this. Cause I started listening to the discography backwards the other day when we were talking about it and I oh, didn't, yeah. I didn't get through it either. I was just like, I've listened to so much of early queen lately. I was like, I, I need to go back to, to some of the later stuff that now I'm here, dude, that, I mean, that has gotten some radio play, not nearly as much as the other ones, but like that song is such solid rock and roll. Yeah. I love it. It's got great drums, great guitar. I think Metallica's Stone Cold Crazy gets more radio play than Queen's does. Yeah. I love introducing Stone Cold Crazy to somebody who only knows the Metallica version. I remember doing that to our friend Zach. And he's just because I'm like, Queen can be fucking like hard fucking rocking, dude, like for real. And there's what the fuck are you talking about? I put on Stone Cold Crazy like this is Queen. And you're listening to the riff and it's so it's so fucking like polished but still like distorted and grungy you know like, like yeah. they they cleaned it up but but the music is still you know good and hard but then when it just does like a stone cold crazy you know <laughs> with like the high <laughs> the high harmonies like it's funny watching somebody's face like wait what the fuck because they're used to like <laughs> stone cold crazy yeah and a fully loaded tommy gun instead of a water gun yeah yeah <laughs> oh metallica <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's like instead of like instead of I gotta get a get up and run or whatever Freddie says, like he's like, gotta fucking get up and run. You're like, calm down, James Hetfield. <laughs> um, and then of course oh, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. I think I said 77 earlier for Night at the Opera, but I think it was actually 75. Yeah, because that's the next album. Yeah. So Night at the Opera is where everything changes. This, um, man, I, I have such a hard time coming up with my favorite album because I mean, cause this is definitely in the running. Like, I, I mean, this is where we got Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, like after, after killer queen, you know, queen is making money now they're, they're, they're going places. Well, sorry, their music is making money. Now the, the contract that they signed with their, with their management company was fucking dick, dude. Like, that was par for the course back then. Record companies' goals were, how do we fuck these artists so hard they die destitute and we die rich? Yeah. That was yeah. their goal. They were fucking scumbags. Like, they were driving Rolls Royces, according to, to stories. But at one point, they told Roger Taylor to stop breaking sticks because they didn't have money to replace them. What? Yep. 
<laughs> so I assume they got a new contract at some point. Yeah, yeah. John Reed, uh, Elton John's manager, took over for them um, from 75 to 77 and started getting them the uh, the, the money that they deserved. Because So it, going back to uh, Death on Two Legs, the, you know, the, the first few lyrics in that is, uh, you suck my blood like a leech, you break yeah. the law and you breach, screw my brain till it hurts, you've taken all my money and you want more. Like, it was pretty <laughs> pointed at the management company like they were they were fucking fed up and nice. um and yeah yeah they got their they got their uh their deal because they finally started making uh making some money um we had john deacon's uh hit you know you're my best friend love that on song. that album yeah it's, it's such a happy tune yeah it is it's, it's just it 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 feels exactly like it should yeah and I mean, oh, this, this album is almost flawless. Cause like, I don't like I'm in love with my car. I, yeah, I, I think okay. that's a pretty awful song. In fact, I love in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody where they're, where they're like reading the lyrics and giving him shit, uh, when, when they're, when they're getting ready to record that album. Um, 39 is like such a, such a folky song. And, and like, it tells the story of, like, it's, it's essentially a science fiction story. It tells the story of, a of a crew that sets out to look for new lands like it sounds like you know like setting a setting sail in the old days but apparently it's science fiction and, and they're setting off in a rocket to the milky seas they say ah. um and they come back a year later but 100 years has gone by on earth and uh you know, like it's like a twilight zone episode it's really great you know you hear lines like like um this is where in so interstellar stole their plot from Brian <laughs> yeah May. exactly i mean like one of the lines says like oh so many years have gone though i'm older but a year your mother's eyes from your eyes cry to me you know like oh like and that was a brian may song there he, he sang that there's love of my life which is so beautiful it's yeah, a, a great song um good company is such a fun little tune like and of course like we've mentioned seaside rendezvous and then the the hard rocking fucking eight minute and 21 second profit song like that that is it's probably the longest song they've done to this point because like like up until this point most of their songs are short like you think of bohemian rhapsody being a long song it's only like five minutes i mean uh, it's 555 yeah yeah so i guess it's like six minutes yeah so yeah i mean it's no uh american pie oh geez yeah <laughs> you know and come to think of it like profit song may be their longest in their entire discography i don't know if they ever beat 821 yeah like yeah like bohemian rhapsody like, like I always think of it as a long song. Six minutes isn't that long. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of long for radio play, I guess. Well, and that, that was the big deal back then was that, um, like they portray in the movie, it's like, nobody wants to play a six minute song. Like it has to be a three minute song. Apparently when, uh, when John Reed played the song for Elton John, his, uh, his response was you're off your head. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you thinking? Um, but what happened was there was a DJ, Kenny Everett, who, um, heard it and stole a copy and played it 14 times on his show over the next couple days or something. Like he, he felt so, uh, uh, enamored with this song. He's like, no, like it has to get radio play back when you had DJs that actually chose what they put on the radio <laughs> yeah, no as opposed shit. to a giant corporation with a playlist. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's another one of those things where like, we all know Bohemian Rhapsody. We know how genius it is. What do you say? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was the genius of Freddie Mercury. He says, 
he had three songs in his head and he mashed them together and, and reportedly he could hear everything before they put it down. Like he knew it in his head and they just had to orchestrate it. Like, yeah. I've heard stories of, yeah, of him, like, you know, basically just telling everybody, this is what you do. Like he knew exactly what he wanted when he walked in. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's super complicated. Yeah. It yeah, is not yeah, a yeah, simple like, song. I feel that way about our space oddities theme song that I, that I just worked up on, on, uh, in garage band real quick, but. That's very simple. Yeah, does it have an eight-part harmony? <laughs> no, and... <laughs> not at all. No, that was bonkers. So then they, uh, next up, they, they released their sister album, A Day at the Races. So on Night at the Opera, A Day at the Races, even the, uh, the cover designs were similar. Yeah. One, went for, one was white, one was black. You know, they had their, like, crest that Freddie designed. Um, and this one was also a hit. This is a really, really great album. Like, I think it kind of lives in the shadow of a, of a Night at the Opera. But, I mean... You've got Tie Your Mother Down. You've got Somebody to Love. They know how to kick off an album. Like, they're really good at having that first song just fucking kick you right in the dick. <laughs> you know, like, you look at most of these things, you're like, oh, first song's solid. Like, that is, that is how you start an album. Tie Your Mother Down is, uh, it's a rocking tune. We used to jam that one. That's right. And it was a lot of fun to play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, and that's one of the few songs, like, my... Fucking beef with Brian May. All right, Brian May, you're getting called out here. <laughs> is just how fucking talented that asshole is. So he plays all sorts of weird chords, all sorts of, you know, A slash E flat minor, fucking whatever. Just I don't know. He makes new chords up. Yeah, this son of a bitch. Because, like, the reason why I know so many fucking Eagles songs on the guitar is because it's just G, C, <laughs> E minor, A minor, you know, yep. like all, and, uh, you know, a little D minor in there every once in a while. So those are easy to play. Same thing with Pink Floyd. They use just a lot of regular ass chords. But you know, I've I've got I've gotten a couple books of uh, of you know um, notation over the years, and Brian May's chords are so weird. And but tie your mother down, you can sort of fake your way through it. Yeah, you that's know, what I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, with somebody to love, you know, that's actually mine and Angelina's song. That, that was what was playing on the radio when we had our first kiss after our second date, you know, when I was dropping her off. So it's, it's a very special song to us, but, um, you know, they, they, uh, they referred to it at, at the time as white gospel, you know, because, because it's, see, it's such like that. a yeah. gospel it tune. Is. And one of, uh, one of Freddie's, um, big influences in life was Aretha Franklin. So this was his tribute to Aretha yeah, Franklin. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, it is a vocal heavy song. Uh, beautiful song. Yeah, yeah, and everything from the from like the 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 gospel chorus in the background to like you know the build of like the find me somebody to love find me like it's it is beautiful. And in the video for that song, they've got they've got John Deacon singing a lot with the whole group because I think it would look weird if it was just the three of them. But on the album, it is just the three of them, and that and that was one of the times where they where they really like at least internally, uh, it was said that they solidified their vocal uh, arrangement like like the way they would arrange their vocals because freddie was so powerful and sharp and forceful and roger was you know could hit those angelic highs and then brian was a very soft like understated vocalist so like the three of them together created that sound you know as opposed to like bohemian rhapsody where that's mostly just freddie yeah like, just like they're, they're all singing times. but yeah yeah like freddie freddie's voice can be heard yeah a lot um, but th there are some tunes on there that are so good that again, you'll never, you'll never get 
uh, get to hear on the radio, but I'll, I'll touch on that. I, I always liked good old fashioned lover boy. Oh yes. Just a fun little song. That is so <laughs> much fun. Yeah. Me and, and our buddies, horrible, horrible, horrid, uh, ex-wife, uh, used to sing that like karaoke or if it just came on when, when I was drinking over at their house, you know? Um, but, uh, so I don't know. It's got kind of a bittersweet connotation now. Yeah. But I do love that song. So, I mean, at that point, they'd conquered. They'd come in and they had cleaned up and they were officially the shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. They were big dick queen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so with the next album, Sheer Heart Attack, they decided to strip it down. Or News of the World. Or sorry. Yes. Whoa. Sorry. The, it, it confuses me because the, the track Sheer Heart Attack is, is on, on this music, album. Yeah. yeah. So with this one, they, they really got away from the turbo multi-track vocals and the, uh, the operatic stuff because like Millionaire Waltz on, on Day at the Races also had a lot of, you know, like the theatrical production. It, it seemed like, like it was going for Bohemian Rhapsody energy, but it, it didn't have it, but it was still a great tune. Um, but this is where we got, we will rock you and we are the champions. Uh, I gotta say, not my favorite two songs, honestly. Like they're, they're great. They're anthems, but, uh, they get way fucking more radio play than they deserve. Yeah. They're not like, we will rock you is kind of boring. Yeah. And it's not long. No. Like it's, it's a fun little well, guitar solo. I'd like to play that guitar solo. I think that's why they always, like they always bleed it into, we are the champions. We are like, it's, I guess it's, a, I just, for how much radio play it gets and how many better queen songs there are it's like yeah let this one go and throw a couple different ones into the rotation guys i i agree i mean and the story behind uh behind we will rock you is that brian may um was at a show and it was one of these like he described it as like a like one of those just like sweaty shows you know just like where everyone's packed in there and the energy's great and, you know, like, like the, the crowd was singing along with their songs and like, they even sang a song, can't remember what he said, like, you are not alone. I don't know the, I don't know the tune, um, or you'll never walk alone. I can't remember the name of it, but it was some song, but the crowd was singing that to them as they were leaving the stage. And it's like, that's, that's, that's rad. weird. Yeah. So he, he, he wanted to find a way for the crowd to be able to participate. And so, um, stop, stomp, clap. Yeah. He, he was thinking, <laughs> what can people do? Like they can, they can stomp, they can clap, they can whatever. And they went into the studio that had just like some loose floorboards or something. And, and the way, like, you know, the, the way they, they, they stomped on the floorboards there just like made like a certain resonance. So they just started stomp, stomp, clap. Stomp. And like, I think in the movie, they, they're on some like bleachers, but that's probably just cause that's what they were doing in the video and like the freezing ass cold. Um, and we are the champions was absolutely Freddie Mercury's, uh, like, fuck you. Yeah, like, like, like victory lap. Here we are. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It was the conceit of we beat you dickheads. Like, like you, especially to, um, to reviewers because report reportedly like the, the British press fucking hated queen. I mean, they're different. Like they're not, they don't sound like anyone else. And so. If you listen to pop music all day long, you're going to kind of fall into a rut more yeah. than likely if they, if you're just reviewing new stuff and you, you get stuck with what you want to hear and something completely different comes at you. And, uh, yeah, you, you, it's a bit, I could see people saying, you know, it's a bit indulgent. Yeah. And, and the thing was, was like, they weren't, they weren't so weird 
as like, you know, David Bowie. They weren't quite, they weren't that eccentric to like be doing personas and stuff. But, um, oh, in fact, I think one person, uh, described Queen as like Led Zeppelin meets Ziggy Stardust. And I was like, that's, yeah, that's, I think that's because they weren't as, they weren't as like rocking ass as Led Zeppelin. Yeah. But, but they weren't quite as out there as, as a David Bowie. And I love that, that apparently at this point, Queen was taking a lot more control over what they were doing. And I saw a, just a brief little clip of Queen in one of the documentaries I was watching, or sorry, of Freddie, that was talking to the engineer. And the engineer's like, well, you know, if we do the guitars here, blah, 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 and like explaining something to him. And he's just like, listen to me, darling. That's the way I want to do it. <laughs> it's just like, all right, that's it. <laughs> he's just saying, no, I want to do it this way. So this is what we're doing. But apparently at, at this point in time, like America was a different monster. They liked acts like like the Eagles and Jackson Brown and Steely Dan, and Queen was like glamorous and and the name was confusing. Like, why are there four dudes here and they're calling their band Queen? Or America was very like America was being America. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and Freddie's a bit flamboyant. Mm -hmm. Like that guy. uh, You know, I could see some some American stodgy Americans not. not wanting their children to to watch this guy gyrate his package around. Yeah. Yeah. And those super tight tights. Yeah. And this was, this was before, you know, the white snake or spinal tap of it all. Yeah. You know, we're, we're like, that was the point you were stuffing your crotch and getting that, that video camera right up into it. Yeah. And they, they went on a tour uh, of America, their first tour in America with, uh, with Mott the Hoople. I think this is before this though i think i skipped it earlier this was around the sheer heart attack time and they had to end their tour early because brian may got hepatitis he woke up one morning and he was yellow and apparently they were just like we don't know how we got him through customs because he uh he was so sick but then this was when they came back to you know show america like hey we did it hey suckers We're, (laughs) we're millionaires so fuck off yeah love us to record the next album uh, jazz. They went to France because like many bands back then in the UK, they went into tax exile, like from the country. Oh yeah. Be, I, I know Pink Floyd did that too. Like apparently the, they, they were taxing like 83% of their, of Holy their income. shit. Yeah. Really? And then also taxing the money you had in the bank. So at another 15%, Roger Taylor was saying in, in an interview. That is yeah. fucking nuts. I'd fucking leave too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Um, so yeah, they went to, they went to France and, um, and yeah, this is where they did the, uh, so of course on that album, we've, we've got some hits. Oh, yeah. the, the singles. It's got Mustafa. Yeah. It opens with Mustafa. Again, strong opener. Odd opener. Yeah. I think it's a great way to open the album, but like if this was your first Queen album that you'd ever heard you're probably going to be a little confused or like, you know, if, if you heard some stuff on the radio and you went and bought this album and you put this on, you'd be like, did I buy the right album? What's going on here? Yeah. But it's a rocking song. I fucking love Mustafa. Yeah. There's no, there's no English. Um, that's, I think that's the first place I ever heard, heard uh, Salam Alaikum. Yeah. Um, and I remember being younger and, and learning all the lyrics and singing it and being like, I hope I'm not going to get in trouble. Yeah, like, like with with uh, with whatever Americans are are listening to me sing this song. Mustafa, I, Mustafa, I don't know. Mustafa Ibrahim. Yeah, like I I don't understand what what they're saying, but it but it was a fun tune. It's a fun one to sing too. Yeah, and they had uh they had bicycle race and fat bottom girls the the uh, the singles there. 
And, and this album has uh, my favorite Queen song of all time. Whoa! What's that? Don't Stop Me Now. Okay. Fucking love that song. It's like, it is my go-to song if I want to get hyped up for something. Yeah. Because it is, it is just such a fucking like driving tune that just like gets you into the mood to kick some ass that's and that's probably the same uh thought process they had when they put it in Shaun of the dead for that for yeah. that uh that scene where they Fuck, just start yeah. whacking zombies oh, i forgot about that that's a yeah. great one i recently watched a uh watched a video that was talking about that song that was looking at it in like in like a kind of a darker retrospect where it was like this was freddie like fully embracing what he was and what he was becoming where like he was Freddie was a hedonist and like his, his whole ethos was just like having as much fun with whoever he could, whenever he could all the time. And it sucks because that's eventually what right, killed yeah. him. But, but like that, that was his thing. But yeah. rock and roll, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like don't like tonight I'm going to have a good time. Uh, or I'm going to have myself a good time. I feel alive and the world will turn it inside out. I'm floating around in ecstasy. So don't stop me now. You know, and, and I love, yeah, I love the lyrics of that. Leaping through the sky, like a tiger defying the laws of gravity or like I'm a sex machine ready to reload like yeah. an atom bomb about <laughs> whoa, 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 explode. Going to make a supersonic man out of you. Uh huh. Yeah. Like there, that is unabashedly like his, uh, fucking great. Song. <laughs> and and that solos. Wicked. I, I love, love that solo so much. The way it leads into it too, with like the drums, like the, oh, oh, you're ready for it. Reportedly, Brian May really did not like that song. Really? Yeah. Because it was venturing into a different territory for Queen. It was very much more for like the club and the gay scene that, that Freddie was getting into. And like for him, he was like, this isn't a rock and roll song. Like, where do I fit in this? I don't know. That solo seems to fit pretty, yeah. pretty <laughs> I mean, he found damn well to me. Or every once in a while, I guess, depending on what mood I'm in, this is my favorite Queen album. Because I, can see that. Because I, I mean, honestly, I, don't, I hate the song Fat Bottom Girls. I think really? that song sucks. I think it's stupid and it needs to get the hell out of here. But Bicycle Race was one of those ones off of Greatest Hits with, yeah. with, uh, with Ryan Welch where, where I, just, I was just like, what the fuck? And he says Superman in there. <laughs> and he says, I don't like Star Wars. Fat Bottom Girls has that weird, uh, like insinuation of a m molesting <laughs> nanny, <laughs> which is which I've always thought was kind of odd. Yeah. Left alone with Big Fat Fanny. She was such a, a naughty, naughty nanny. nanny. Heaping woman. You made a bad boy out of me. Yeah. Or, or it's you done made a big man out of me or something like that. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like uh, <laughs> he had a fat nanny that, uh, <laughs> that had her away with him. Yeah. In Only Seven Days is such a beautiful song. It tells a story of a, of a week-long holiday that he takes where he meets somebody and falls in love, but then has to go back home because the holiday's over. Like, it's, it's so gorgeous. I've wanted to make a little comic book to go, to go along with that. And Dead on Time is, is a song that I've brought to people's attention with, with, the whole, with the idea of just, like, you don't understand like how how good and rockin' Queen can be, and that song it's it's a travesty that it never showed up as a single anywhere because it's such a good fucking tune. Like Brian's guitar work is off the rails on that, even just for the main riff. Oh man, jeez, looking at this this track listing, I love this album so much. If only Fat Bottom Girls would get off of there; it'd be, <laughs> be kind of perfect. Yeah. I like that song. It's not okay.
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, and it was for the release of that album where Queen threw a party of legend. I can't remember where it was, if it was in New Orleans or if it was in France. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they threw a party that was purposely like designed to be like the ultimate like hedonistic party of extremes, just fucking strippers and magicians and fucking people laying down with, uh, with food on them, you know, before it was like a, like a pop culture joke in sitcoms, you know, yeah. like the, the lady with sushi on her tits. Apparently there was a guy that would, that like, it was his job to like lay there with like cold cuts on him and people would like, would come to grab the meats off of him and he'd, he'd like mess with them by like scooting over a little bit or like dodging <laughs> their hand. You know, it's like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, reportedly. There were dwarves walking around with bowls strapped to their heads that had cocaine in them for people to just. Oh man, I was I was about and, to say it sounds like the kind of party where someone would be going around with a tray of cocaine, but dwarves with bowls of cocaine strapped to their heads. Yep. All right, time machine, John. We're going to this party. <laughs> yeah, we need to start looking at pictures to see if we were there. <laughs> <laughs> the next album was uh, was the game in 1980. They they met up with a uh, with a producer that they would stay with for a while named Reinhold Mack. Um, and they they moved to Munich to start working on this album. And this was where we got Queen's first worldwide number one hit and their first uh, number one album or their only number one album in America. And uh, and that single was Crazy Little Thing Called Love. And reportedly, Freddie Mercury wrote it uh, in a bathtub in France, they say. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and and I I, uh, I heard a story that he like rushed into the studio and was like, "Call everybody!" Blah, blah, blah. Apparently they didn't they didn't call Brian right away, but they're like, "We have to lay all this down before Brian gets here because he'll complicate it." So apparently, <laughs> you know, they, they they laid down the guitar track and drums and bass, and then Brian came in and threw in his fucking solo, and it was, I mean, it's great. It's a hit. I love that song. The solid rock and roll song. That's for sure. also why that song is, you know, like D C G A B. It's a simple standard <laughs> yeah. rock song. Yeah, or B flat. Yeah, and it also had another one, "Bites the Dust," which is another one of those songs that I think is a bit overrated and gets too much. Like it's it's fun. Yeah, but uh, uh, like I like it, but it doesn't. Uh, it's definitely not one of the greats. And it gets a lot of radio play. Yeah, it just hit a certain way. And and this one was written by John Deacon, which is not surprising because it's, it's got a cool bass And, um, you know, Freddie loved it. Uh, Roger and Brian rep- reportedly did not. Like, uh, Roger, especially with having to, like, loop his drum track the, the way they do instead of, like, actually having, like, a live, you know, like, hard-hitting drum track. You know, they, it was very subdued. But apparently... Or allegedly the reason why they made it a single was because Michael Jackson insisted. Like he saw them playing it at a show and he's just like, you guys have to release it as a single. Like, what the fuck? And that was another one that that hit the club scene. Oh, he was right. Yeah. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah, they made some dough on that fucking song. Yeah. I'll still take another, another one rides the bus, though. <laughs> <laughs> that song's so good. <laughs> like, you know, and we had some cool songs like Dragon Attack. I mean, other than that, like, I don't know if I've listened to this album. You should. It's it's good, but it's not great. Like, I'm looking at the rest of the songs on the track listing. I don't, I don't know if I recognize them. Yeah, I mean, you've probably heard "Save Me." That's on some greatest hits, or "Play the Game." Yeah, I just don't recognize the the name. Like, it doesn't ping yeah. anything in my brain. Yeah, "Don't Try Suicide" was in a movie with Christian Slater, and I don't remember which movie it was, but I just remember hearing it and being like, "What the fuck?" 
Do or do not. There is no try, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a weird song. Don't try suicide. Nobody's worth it. You know, like, oh, it sounds really cheery. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> but it's also got an it's got an interesting groove. And then we got to venture into dark days here. Queen went off to uh, to Montrose Studios for a little bit just to to get out of Munich. And uh, well, I guess we'll start with the, the lightest part of these dark days. Uh, David Bowie happened to be hanging out down there. So they went out and had some food and and, uh, and some drinks with David Bowie. And they're like, hey, let's go into the studio and just jam. And guess what we got? Under pressure? We certainly did. The bass line was written by John Deacon, of course, but the lyrics were written by Roger Taylor, um, which is why they rhyme a lot, I imagine. <laughs> and uh, reportedly, like, David Bowie loved the tune. And so, but what they, what they did was they first, like, they were locking each other. Uh, Freddie and David Bowie were locking each other out of the studio so they couldn't hear what the other person was doing to come up with stuff. Really? Yeah. And, but reportedly, David Bowie started like eavesdropping on Freddie and then coming up with stuff to compliment. And Freddie's like, how the fuck did you do that? And he's just like, oh, I was listening to you. Because I'm David fucking <laughs> yeah. Bowie. That's how. Yeah. He's all look into my two different colored eyes and, and question me. <laughs> but after that, they went back to Munich for, um, for the, the rest of the Hot Space album, which was the next one. And apparently it was a very dark time. Uh, the studio they were recording in was in like the bottom of this like industrial building that was apparently known for, for people jumping off to kill themselves. And um, don't this... try suicide. I thought we covered <laughs> yeah. this. And this was where Freddie really just started to go off the rails with the club scene and the gay scene and just just like you know just hedonism and just ta- like I remember reading a, a biography on Queen. I think it was by somebody that was close to them, maybe security or something. For some reason, this story has always stuck out to me that like Freddie w- allegedly would go to clubs and just take a huge group of dudes, take them back to his place, dress them all in nothing but women's hats. Yes, I've heard this. And then pick several of them to go to bed with him. And, and it's like, hey, man, you do you. It's party time and yeah, you're living your yeah. best life. Sounds like you're going to have a great time tonight. Yeah, sounds like... Probably uh, right around AIDS. this time, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting <laughs> HIV because I mean, this you know, this is the early this is like, 80s, yeah, it's early like 82. 80s. This, is, this is the time that that shit is uh, it really having an effect, yeah, on, it's on it's, it's rearing its head, I mean, it's it's wrecking sh- shop, yeah. And uh, and I mean, it's this mysterious disease that's that's going around with you know, people who are promiscuous, and it's 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 tough. I mean, early 80s was probably just kind of starting to gain steam because I don't think it really hit hard until. Like the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, mid-late 80s. You know, Hot Space, also called their disco album, came out, and people did not like it at all. I can see why. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not very disco. Like, re- like it's it's no. it's a bit more club-friendly, but it's not... I, I don't think I'd call hardly anything on it disco. But it is it's pretty fucking weak as it goes through there. Like, because I went and listened to this one because you mentioned how crappy it was. Or so, you mentioned something like, I think you said, you've probably never heard this one. So it's one yeah. of the ones I made sure I listened to. And I definitely had not heard it. And like, I got all the way to like the ninth song, when the La Palabras de Amor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, now the Queen album has started. Like, now it finally sounds kind of like Queen. Yeah, and that's a gorgeous song. Yeah, that, that song's great. And the, I mean, it's it, there's only three songs left in the album at that point. That cool cat and under pressure and i had totally forgotten about cool cat because we yeah. used to jam cool cat back in the day we did and it is it's just a, a fun little song i love that song so much like you and i and our buddy jared jamming it 
I love doing those falsettos while I'm playing drums because the drum beat's really easy. It's just, it's a looped, you know, electronic drum track. I remember us like trying to record it on, uh, on the little karaoke machine thing that you had. And for some reason, our buddy Jared just could not get the bass nail the bass line and it's it's not that difficult at all (laughs) i started getting so frustrated i was probably being a total dickhead but like that is like that's that's a song to fuck to yeah totally it's a porno song yeah 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 and and um and it also had the uh the song body language which is also a turbo porno song and the video for that like got banned in the u.s i feel like i should have seen it at some point i don't know but it's just like the main lyrics are like, give me body, give me your body. Don't talk. You know, and I, but the, there's lots of like repeating of stuff. And then like, what is it? You got red lips, snakes in your eyes, long legs, uh, great thighs. You got the cutest ass I've ever seen. Knock me down for a six anytime. And I'm like, I don't know what a six is, but sounds like, like he's just, I don't know. He's, he's wanting to put a six somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but it is a very like club friendly sexual album. And there's a song for John Lennon because they were affected by the murder oh, of John yeah. Lennon yeah, also. Probably about that time, huh? Yeah. Life is real. Um, and also put out the fire. You know, it was a lot about gun violence. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think my note on put out the fire was generic ass anti-gun song. <laughs> my note on life is real was uh, I like the line loneliness is my hiding place breastfeeding myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, what wait, wait, what can I say? Yourself? It's what the so fuck? weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and th- with Hot Space, this is kind of where they lost America. Like, like, like the game in Hot Space, like that, that America didn't didn't get them at that time. And like, you know, with with uh, with Hot Space, like, well, I think after the game, Freddie adopted his his look. You know, with like the short cropped hair and the mustache, and you know, like a little more bulk. And that, that was what was referred to at the time as the clone, where it was, it was very prevalent in the, in the gay scene for, for homosexual men to adopt that look. Like it was, it was just called the clone and it it was, yeah. I mean, I know it as like, you know, and I don't know if it's because of Freddie Mercury or just maybe, I guess it was more prevalent than that, but like, uh, yeah, like that's like, if you put him in like some chaps and a cop hat or something, be like, yeah, that fits. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on there. Yeah, and it, it you know it it turned a lot of like not only fans but like DJs in America off like like America kind of dropped Queen and Queen never really got them back. I, this is kind of where I fall off too to a degree. Like mm-hmm. the music seems to get le- it, it'd be less rock and roll. I mean, they still have some good hits and stuff in there, but it becomes less rock and roll and a little more something else that that I don't find as appealing. I've seen this happen with other bands too, where, where in, in the eighties they get soft and electronic. Yeah. Like there's a clear distinction like, uh, with, with, uh, the moody blues, like, like, I mean, they were never like hard rock, but they, you know, it was, it was more just instrumentation. But then when you have their eighties songs, like I know you're out there somewhere or in your wildest dreams, still great songs, but they are soft and they, they're really keyboard heavy. Yep. And, um, yeah, that definitely happened with Queen. Yeah. Cause like, like looking through the rest of the albums, like, honestly, like I don't have any songs I really love or that are real bangers. Whoa. On, sorry. on any of the rest of these albums. Like, I mean, there, there's, there's okay songs, but like nothing that matches up to what they had going on before. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest hits on the next album, Radio Gaga, like they, they wanted to get back on track after um, Hot Space. So they went to L.A. to record now. That's where we got Radio Gaga. I love that song so much. Yeah. It fills me with joy. Does it? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. it's okay. Oh, man. I want to break free. I like that. Yeah. Like, I enjoy, I enjoy I Want to Break Free, even though it's got that weird, like... So is that a guitar solo or is it a synthesizer? Is it Brian May doing some weird I, shit to the guitar? I think he's doing it through the guitar at least. Yeah. Like, uh, or, oh, actually, no, never mind. I did just hear that it's a, uh, it's a vocoder and it was, uh, it was a keyboard that did it. Cause it was, um, uh, Fred Mandel. I can't remember one of their keyboard players that, that jammed with them for, for a long time. I really like hammer to fall. I think, I think that that's a good rock tune that also has a really great solo. Yeah. I couldn't identify it. But yeah, I mean, that album kind of brought them back, especially, especially worldwide. Cause like Queen was still huge worldwide, but you know, like I said, they just, they never recovered America. After that, we got, um, the album, which was kind of the unofficial soundtrack for Highlander, which was a kind of magic. Yes. And nothing on there that you like. I mean, Princes of the Universe is, is okay. Like it, it, it's good, but it's it's in like the the mid range queen yeah. for me. Like it, nothing. It's not that I dislike all these albums. They still have some good stuff on it, but nothing that is in like my top ten Queen songs. It's not what you look for in Queen. Yeah, yeah I I get that, and you know, it, I think these later albums are kind of like Batman v Superman, where it's like I understand that they're not as good, and I get why people don't like them, but for some reason, like. I just love this band so much that I, that I even love the stuff that, that yeah. is clearly solid. You like, can, you can find something to appreciate. And like, who wants to live forever is, is it's a pretty, it's, it's a beautiful a, song. It's a beautiful song, but it's not my kind of jam, man. <laughs> um, I mean, a kind of magic is so much fun for me. I learned that baseline because that is, uh, it, it's, it's such a fun little, uh, little bouncy song, but yeah, I mean, there are some like, like, give me the prize and like, um, don't lose your head. Like those are clearly just songs for, for Highlander that aren't great. Like they couldn't stand on their own and don't lose your heads a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, I mean, what one vision was apparently, uh, written, uh, it was inspired by Martin Luther King. Okay. I can see yeah. That, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's great until the very end when it ends with gimme, gimme, gimme fried chicken. That's a little, uh, <laughs> a little, yeah. little bad. Like, wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, you Brits. But it was actually the song One Year of Love, which is a ballad. And it's, it's a pretty terrible song. But that was the song that, uh, that started up that young romance for me. Was it One Year of Love? No, it was no. many years of love and pain. And, <laughs> oh, boy. It taught you something. Yeah, yeah, it sure did. Then we had the miracle and innuendo, and then after Freddie died, we had Made in Heaven. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't have anything to say about. Any yeah, of those. let me let me look at them real quick because the miracle was the album that I drove around listening to. Trying to sad, yes, yeah, being very frustrated. Yeah, I mean, I want it all is okay. I guess like I enjoy. I want it all. I want it all has a bitch and solo. Yeah. It's a Brian May song, so that makes sense. Yeah, um, Scandal's a good song, um, but but yeah, I mean, I I mean, I I still love this whole song, or sorry, this whole album, but yeah, it 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 doesn't hit the heights uh, like like the previous ones did. And then after that, uh, we got the last album while Freddie was alive, Innuendo. 
I love this album to death. Like the the title track, like you said, starting the album with innuendo. Fuck, dude, that is an epic tune. I'm going slightly mad is so much fun, and of course, these are the days of our lives. I, uh, yeah, that one. I think my favorite track off this is the show must go on. Yeah, I mean it's per- such a great, perfect way to end the album. I mean, it's like, and especially when you go into it knowing that like they wrote this album knowing that the show wasn't gonna go on. Yeah, you know that that Freddie probably wasn't gonna make another album. Yeah, by by this point, Freddie was dying as they yeah. as they created this album. And like, even though I'm not the hugest fan of the movie, like. What they nailed was when Fred, even though in the movie it was at the wrong time because their timeline was all fucked. But the way Freddie, like when he told the band, I think in, in 87, oh no, that's when he got his diagnosis. So, so maybe, or prognosis, maybe it was uh, a little later than that. But you know, when it was clear to everyone that he was dying and, and they, they just wouldn't talk about it. But then, you know, when he brought it up to them and he's like, we're not going to waste any time you know, with, with tears and talking about this, like, I just want to work as much as I can until I die basically. And it's so fucking sad, but it's, I mean, it's awesome. Like the sicker he got, the more work he wanted to put in, in the studio. And like from all reports, in fact, it was the show must go on. Uh, I, I read this, that Brian May played it for him on the guitar and sang it. Freddie listened to it. I mean, maybe they did it twice. I don't know. Then, then they just say that Freddie downed a vodka, went into the studio and nailed it all first take. Like it's, it's all just his first take on there. And, and that's what he would do. Like Brian May would say that, that he would just come in. He wouldn't bitch about dying or about being in pain. He'd just be like, let's do this. He'd, he'd have a couple vodkas and, you know, even just like leaning up against the, uh, the, uh, the board, the mixing board, you know, put a microphone in front of him and he'd be singing, even though. He was very clearly dying. Like pictures of him in that, from that time are super sad. And like his last time on, on screen, like on purpose, you know, besides like paparazzi photos was for the video of, uh, these are the days of our lives. And he's just gaunt. Yeah, like, he's like super thin. He looks like a corpse. His cheeks are all sunk in and stuff. He doesn't have the big chubby cheeks that he's always had. They caked his face with makeup and blasted his face with light to try to not have any of those shadows in there. And it, it doesn't work, but it was, it was a fitting end. You know, there was him saying goodbye. The last line is, I still love you. And then he does a little, little flourish and, um, and, uh, and, you know, goes off screen. Yeah. You can definitely hear the, the emotion and urgency in his, in his voice in a lot of these songs. Yeah, and especially in the in the album that came out uh, in 1995, they they took his last recordings and you know put together an album the way they felt he would uh, he would want to. There's a song "Mother Love" that I mentioned earlier with that with that bass line. That there's a lyric that says like I can't take it if you see me cry. I long for peace before I die. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> why? No, oh, why are you doing this? I mean, in that that album. It's not great, but, but there are a few tracks on there that, that, um, you know, that just hit really hard. So Freddie died in November of, of 91 and, um, it was in 92 where they had the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. So have you ever watched any of that? Not in a very, uh, yeah, yes, but I don't have much in the way of a memory of it. Oh, it's so badass. I recently went and watched most of it. I mean, they had Metallica, David Bowie, Annie Lennox, Elton John, Roger Daltrey, Excellent Slash. Uh, the guy from extreme, he did a really good job. Like I could have seen them touring with him and he, he had some stage presence too. 
I think George Michael did a great job on Somebody to Love. I think there's a universe where they went, where they just started touring with George Michael. Um, Robert Plant was there. Joe Elliott, Liza Minnelli. Oh, Oh, yeah. It was fucking huge. Just a quick recommendation for shows, because I think Queen puts on a great show, is um, Queen Rocks Montreal. There's the Queen Live Aid performance. Of course, yes, you can find that on, uh, on, on YouTube because that like reinvigorated them. Apparently, Bob Geldof like, uh, allegedly went in and like told Freddie Mercury, like, get your guys together, get off your ass, you're doing this. And like, nice. people don't tell Freddie Mercury to do that, but apparently Bob Geldof did. And, um, and it, it brought them back from the dead because this was you know, post-hot space. Like, the works had come out, but they were... They were at like a very lethargic time. Yeah, like in their, a lull uh, in the career. Yeah, they were they were not creating, and it brought them back. But I just want to touch on one thing from my own experience regarding shows. I got a chance to see Queen and Paul Rogers twice in like their 0506 tour. Um, our friend, um, as a birthday present, you know, when I was going to college in uh, Long Beach, like got me a ticket to that show, and like. I, I fucking, like, I got tears in my eyes when I saw that. It was just like, what the fuck? And, like, the show was so fucking great. Like, Paul Rogers from, from Free and Bad Company, he's a very different vocalist. But I think going in there with somebody that you're not expecting to do a Freddie Mercury impression really made it special. He kind of has his own spin on it to a degree yeah. like he's not trying to be freddie mercury exactly if yeah. it was like the darkness guy like he'd be trying to do a freddie mercury impression or you know hit the hit the same notes the same way that freddie did but that's not paul rogers's thing because he can't do it and then also hearing some uh some bad company and free songs but there were two moments in that show that really got me emotionally one was the way they did bohemian rhapsody was they played along with a video of freddie from wembley from from nice. like one of their most legendary yeah. shows. Oh yeah, sorry, that's the Live other one Wembley. to go check out. Live at Wembley, eighty six, beautiful. So them playing along with it, just it was, you know, it was emotional. And then Paul Rogers came out for the for the ending, uh, or you know, for the for the hard rocking part. And then they like traded off for the very last like nothing really matters to me part. And then the other thing that was really awesome was Radio Gaga live because. At concerts, when they do Radio Gaga, you know, when, when it'd be like the all we hear is Radio Gaga, the crowd would go, all we hear is Radio Gaga. You know, they'd clap like and they put do their hands video. out. Yeah, yeah. In the video, they sort of do like a like a jut their fists out. Yeah, well, the, but, the crowd does like the clap and hand thing. Okay. They're all in like Tyvek suits. Though. Yeah, that's it's really, really weird. It's really video. But what was so cool is that like, you know, I knew that that's what crowds did because I'd seen live performances. But I, I was in, I was in the fucking nosebleeds in the Hollywood Bowl, and every fucking person was doing that, yeah. and it was so cool to. You're just like, holy fuck, dude! It's fucking 2005 or six. I'm at a Queen show, and we're doing the clapping and hands out for Radio Gaga. Like this is fucking wild. And then I saw them a second time, but I was pretty drunk, so I don't remember as much of the show. But it was a lot of fun because that time we got to go <laughs> with our friend Corey and like her family and stuff. But, uh, yeah. Sorry, dude. Yep, yep, yep. Ooh, yep, queen. yep, yep. That is what I'm doing. This is my favorite band. Fuck yeah. off. Yeah, what are you going to do, man? If you're listening to a Queen episode, you probably aren't pissed because... Unless you, you hate Queen. Yeah, if you either, you either like Queen or like us. And either way, you're just getting a little more. <laughs> so hopefully I'm not making you angry with this. <sighs> 
So uh, let's do some structure. Then, <laughs> yeah, right? let's, let's, let's let's get, get the fuck out of here. It's fucking hot in here. <laughs> yeah, it's so gross. If I wasn't talking about something I loved so much, uh, I would uh, be. I would hate this a lot more. Um. All right. Favorite use in pop culture. You want me to go? Yeah, I've, I've talked a yeah, lot, you, Dave. Do, yeah, give your voice a rest. Uh, so my favorite use in pop culture. I'm going with the Flash Gordon theme. Yeah, it is absolutely perfect for that movie. It's a great fucking song. It fits the movie so fucking. I mean, they did the whole soundtrack for the movie, and it's great. But that theme song is uh, legendary. Hmm? Fucking love it. Boom 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 boom. Yeah. Flash. <laughs> 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 Oh, he'll save every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Flash, Flash, I love you, but we only have 14 hours <laughs> yeah. to save the universe. <laughs> Wait, what? I love how they keep that in there. Yeah. It's fucking great. But it's, I mean, the movie is pretty good. Like the Flash Gordon movie's fun, uh, but the song is better. Yeah. It is It is the best part about the movie. Yeah. My, my favorite use in pop culture, similarly, is... The Highlander soundtrack, like, and, and just the, the ties in there. Did you end up watching the Princes of the Universe video? I did. I think that video is so fucking fun. They're on the top of the building with the silver cup sign. Like that's very distinctive in, in New York and, and in that movie. But the fact that they have Freddie Mercury, like sword fighting with Christopher Lambert, (laughs) uh, Connor McLeod himself. I don't get it. It's fucking weird. It's eighties. But I love it so much. And I like, I like how the rest of the band is all wearing his trench, you know. Yeah. The trench coat. Yeah, Freddie's wearing a weird vest and tight jeans. He's being Freddie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean. Gyrating and dancing around and, you know, being Freddie. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I love the, the versions of some of their songs that are in the movie. Like, uh, like A Kind of Magic, it has a totally different beat. Their Who Wants to Live Forever is all Freddie. It doesn't start with Brian, like in the uh, yeah. in the studio or in the album version. But they've got this motherfucking, it doesn't exist anywhere as far as I know. In Highlander, when, when they're going out of like the don't lose your head, like Kurgan driving the car around and being crazy with, uh, with the girl, or with uh, McLeod's girlfriend in the car. It goes from that beat, from the don't lose your head, and the and it like fades into a a version of Freddie Mercury singing New York, New York. And it's just a brief little clip of it. In fact, I remember being at your parents' house when we were younger, scouring the internet, looking for this song. It apparently doesn't exist anywhere. But there's just like a clip of Freddie just going like, and if I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. Like it's, it's a totally different version. It's Freddie. Weird. Like doing New York, you know, it's up to you. Oh yeah. And he goes like New York. And then there's like a wall of sound like New York and like, but it like fades out. It's fucking beautiful. And I, but I. I, I've just never heard the entire song. Just that brief little clip. It's so good. Um, yeah, sorry. There I wonder is. if there is an entire song or if he was just like screwing around and like recorded something. Well, there's, there's back, there's backtracking music too. Like, so there's uh, at least that part of it with like synth. Interesting. Yeah. It's so wild. I would love to, to pull it up, uh, after this, not on the show. Okay. Uh, I've got a quick top 10 list. 
I'll just run Ugh. it. I know it's been it's been so long <laughs> since we had a fucking top ten I, I list. I forgot you even did this. Yeah, yeah, years ago. It's it's probably been years since we did. It. Probably, probably like two has, years. Yeah. Because of everything I was saying about all the songs that you're never going to listen to or that you'll never hear on the radio, I wanted to give a top 10 in no particular order of songs that I think you should go onto YouTube Music, Spotify, just something. Just go listen to these songs because they're so good. If if I'm wrong, you can let me know. Um, well, I mean, you can't tell me I'm wrong, but you can say you did or did not enjoy them. Um, you could say I'm wrong, but fuck you, you're wrong. <laughs> so from the album Queen 2... As it began, in parentheses, White Queen. That song is gorgeous, and it goes from from soft to hard, just like you will when you listen to it. I don't know. <laughs> that was not playing. That is a tagline there. <laughs> um, uh, and then what I mentioned, a lot of these I mentioned throughout the, yeah. the episode. Um, Dead on Time on the album Jazz, fucking great. Um, Death on Two Legs from A Night at the Opera. I'll agree with that. Seaside Rendezvous from A Night at the Opera, Millionaire Waltz from A Day at the Races, and some of these albums might jump around because I was just grabbing songs, um, Flick of the Wrist off the album uh, Sheer Heart Attack, Now I'm Here, also off Sheer Heart Attack, um, we've got Scandal from The Miracle, I mentioned that earlier, that's, that's a, a great later Queen song, um, One Year of Love, again, it's got, it's got special meaning, it's cheeseball as shit, it is so cheesy it's always a rainy day without you <laughs> oh come on um it's very much not queen like that like it's it's it is probably the least queen song ever these are the days of our lives it's so touching um, i'm going slightly mad sorry both of those are off the uh the innuendo album i'm going slightly mad is just fun and quirky Bring back that Leroy Brown from Sheer Heart Attack. Yeah, that's that's another one. one of those like show tune songs. Um, and then from the album uh, A Day at the Races, You Take My Breath Away. That is a very like slow, soft, emotional song. I don't think there, yeah, there's no drums in it at all, but it's beautiful. It's got a beautiful guitar solo that almost sounds like a, uh, like a string section. And for those counting, that was 13, but whatever. <laughs> I made my list as, as a top 10 and a 13 showed up. It's a drummer's dozen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up with, uh, with some final thoughts and a one-word review. So my one-word review for Queen is drama. Drama. And not, and not, and not because like the standard, you know, behind the music interbandular drama, you know, where they hate each other and they, you know, oh, like so they tried problems. to push in the, in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Yeah. Like, well, you know, you got to make it interesting. Yeah. But like the drama of the music, like it's so theatrical. It's so big. It mm -hmm. is a production. Uh, Queen's song is a production. If you see their live performances. It is a show. Like, you're not just going to listen to a band. You are getting a show. You got Freddie Mercury doing all kinds of crazy shit, dancing around, just giving it everything he has. Yeah, and their, their light show and smoke. Yep, and their costumes. I mean, they're always wearing, with the exception of uh, John Deacon, who's, who's generally pretty understated. You've got unitards and cod pieces and like weird spaceman leather suits and capes and shit. Yeah, which is all kinds of shit <laughs> going on. And you know, like I mean, these guys they can rock as hard as anyone can. They're not afraid to to go soft, to go slow, to 
go operatic. I mean, just to go fucking nuts with it. And they just give so much effort into the drama and, and theatricality mm-hmm. of, of their music and their performance. And it fucking, it works. I hate musicals. And if, if, like, it feels like Queen is like the closest thing to like that kind of production in rock and roll. And I fucking love it. So I don't well, know. And you know, <laughs> I've never, I've never seen anything about it, but they did have a musical for a little bit called We Will Rock You. I don't think I want to see it. I don't need to see a bunch of assholes performing Queen songs. Like when they would do that on American Idol or like Glee, people were like, oh, you should watch this. It's a Queen song. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Who the fuck is this person? Like Adam Lambert touring with Queen? Fuck off. Yeah. No, thank you. Like I'm, I'm glad people enjoy it and I'm glad Queen's still around in, in whatever form, but Adam Lambert is not doing it for me. Eat shit. No, yeah. sorry. Take that. Yeah, I, I, I butted Adam. in on your uh, on your final thoughts. I mean, uh, that was pretty much it. Like, you know, it's just the... Uh, I'm struggling to look for the right word here. I, I mean, like, drama was kind of the best one I came up with. Yeah. Like, just the the depth yeah. that you get out of their music is something that you don't get from very many other artists out there. Ooh, I like that, the depth, yep. And it's, it's, it's good. I like it. There we go. <laughs> My one word is, I mean, it's, I I think it's kind of a gimme kind of blah, but it it felt right to me is genius because every single one of the members of that band were gene genii. I don't know. They were all geniuses, geniuses. Let's go genii. I like that. Genii. And you know, they were all masters at what they did and what they did complemented each other so well. And like, like. Like I said earlier, when, when I started talking about, about the band members themselves, like none of them themselves could have made queen. I should have gone with harmony. (laughs) I like, I like drama too. They they were very dramatic in every way, but like, you know, Brian May and Roger Taylor have both had solo uh, outings that, you know, I love Brian May's solo stuff, but it's not queen. All of these genii coming together to make this thing that is, that's so near and dear to my heart is something I feel blessed to be alive during. I wouldn't mind, you know, if it happened 20 years later, or if I was born 20 years earlier, so I could actually see some of that shit. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Without Paul Rogers there, but you know, it's something that, that is irreplaceable to me. And you know, it's the heights of, of music that nobody else can reach in my opinion, at least not in the same way, you know, like there are other genius musicians and stuff oh, yeah, but absolutely but queen is is tops for me nobody will ever be better they're unique they're like they are their own thing they're not competing with anyone that's all i got so uh thank you folks for uh for gyrating across this stage with us um if you want to let us know how we did today you can email us at email at you can find us on social medias facebook exploration the podcast page instagram geeksploration podcast or twitter at geeksplore pod or please call us up at 916 o-r-c-t-u-r-d that is 916 orc turd and if you enjoyed this show uh or any of our other ones drop by apple Podcasts or pod chaser and give us a five supersonic man review uh we've got swag available at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com we've got uh a podcast network that we are part of called the geekly grind and uh, a Discord also that you could come and join and chat with us and look at memes that I find occasionally. Yeah. And our theme song. 
is Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Until next time. Hey oh. Hey oh. Hey oh. Hey oh. Hey oh. Hey oh. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>